0: Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the word of God proclaimed. What's up, 11 a.m.? Welcome to church. I'm glad to see you today. You made it here. On a beautiful day, I'm so glad that you're with us. If you're if you're with us online, thank you for joining us. 11 a.m. people, Uh, we love you. And if you're brand new here this morning in the room, uh, just know that we love you. We're we're thankful for you. We're glad that you're here, and we hope that you'd uh, find a home here, find a community, and a place that you can explore uh, God and explore your spiritual journey here at ACF Church. Lots of good stuff going on, you guys. I'm just I'm excited about the season that we're in as we're coming back into this building and uh, as people are starting to kind of re-enter into society. Uh, it's just been a wild season, and so as a as a pastor, I'm just so excited to see people gathering again. We were able to launch our Wednesday night church plant, which is really exciting. So every week, we have a Wednesday night gathering. So this summer, as you're maybe hunting or fishing or uh, taking the weekends to, to go enjoy Alaska, uh, know that you can stay connected on a Wednesday night, and it's the same service on a different day. In fact, it's the first service of the week. So just kind of keep that in mind as a way to stay connected and, and uh, kind of tethered in here through the summer. Because I know we're we're doing a lot of things, and uh, we also just had something really exciting called the Beast Feast. Any dudes went to the Beast Feast? It was it was really cool. Uh, it was really awesome. We had a lot of uh, good time there, and uh, I, I would say that over. Um, over the past years that I've been at ACF Church. This was the biggest men's event I have ever seen, just the most engagement. And as a as a, as a guy, it's just awesome to see other men leaning in right now, that there are men in our community who just want to hear from God, want to follow faithfully after Jesus. And, and so I am just really excited uh, to see that. And so um, we are in a series called I'm With The Band, and each week we've just taken a song, and uh, we're kind of unpacking those songs from a biblical perspective and just teasing out the different concepts that are in them. And this morning, we're talking about the single life, the single life. So I'm sure there's some single people in the room. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, although maybe it'd help you out a little bit. I'm just going to connect you uh, here at church. Nothing wrong with that. If you're like, I'm coming to church to meet the ladies, that's okay. It's a great start. I hope you move on from that, but moving on, moving on from that, but... Um, So, another thing, just before we get into the discussion here today, um, if you're a parent, you just need to know that when we talk in this room, we try to get as honest and raw and real as possible, and so uh, today's maybe a PG or a PG-13 message as we talk about dating and sexuality and things like that a little bit, Um, but any message might be that way. So just, that's on you. Our ACF Kids ministry is amazing. Uh, Just make sure you you connect your kids in there as well, but um, that is your fair warning, so rest is up to you. Uh, you can answer the questions at home. That's that's up to you if you'd like to do that. Uh, a lot of also what we're going to talk about here this morning is coming from a book called Seven Myths About Singleness. Seven Myths About Singleness. If you're a single person in the room trying to figure out what is a biblical perspective on singleness? What does God say about this season of my life? This is a really great resource. I want to encourage you Uh, to do that. And so I want to do quick introductions. One of the values that I had with this morning was I didn't want to get up here as a married guy and just talk about singleness. I wanted to kind of have a conversation along with you, and it's been really great so far. This is the third time we've gotten to do this, and really excited to to talk through this stuff. So uh, give us a quick introduction. How long you've been part of ACF Church?
1: Good morning. I'm Mia, and I've been with ACF. It'll be four years in September.
2: All righty, righty.
3: My name is Britt and I'm the ACF Youth Culture Director and I've been here since 2017.
2: My name is Jamin and I've also been here in four years in September.
0: And I'm Brian, if we haven't met, and I've been here almost 12 years now. So yeah, I'm an old-timer at ACF Church at this point. Uh, But one of the things we want to do as we talk through this, I want to acknowledge too, if you're married in the room, do not check out, okay? This is a really important conversation as we talk about singleness because um, everybody's at a different spot, right? Everybody's at a different spot. Like, some of you are single and wish you were married. Um, Some of you are probably married and wish you were single. Don't (laughs) raise your hand on that one in church today, or you might just find yourself single after church. So we don't want to speed up the process. Uh, We have people who are divorced, you know, uh, people who have been widowed, people who um, have have lost loved ones, and there are all different stages of life when it comes to their relationships. But here's kind of the big question I want to tease out today is what does it look like to be single in a world that idolizes relationships? What does it look like? And, and, and how can we be an encouragement to each other? The recent statistic is this, about 50% of the population is single, so, so half of the population has this part of their life that often isn't talked about anywhere, uh, isn't talked about in the church, and so we want to crack that open a little bit. Also, uh, right now, statistically, more people are staying single for longer. In fact, you're part of a generation that will stay single longer than any generation previous to you, and, and fewer people are getting married, in fact. Uh, and that's why I said uh, relationships are the idol, not marriage years ago, it used to be like, hey, uh, you met somebody, they seemed like, not maybe they didn't check every box, but most of the boxes, and so it's like, you like me, I like you, let's get married. Now it's like, you know, let's move in together, let's just kind of test drive the car for a little while and see how it works. If we don't like this, we'll bail out, and we'll go on to the next thing. So we have a different culture that's constantly changing, which brings up lots of questions about how to relate to each other in this time. And so, uh, I want to I start off with a passage, and if you want to open a Bible, you can open up to 1 Corinthians 7, and uh, verse 32 is where we're going to begin, and this is the classic singleness passage, and so what I'm going to start doing uh, right now is I want to trigger the single people, and then we're going to kind of talk about it, because you're probably going to read this and be like, I don't like this verse. Some of you are going to like it, but it depends on where you're at with your singleness, and so uh, let's just start at verse 32. It says, I want you to be free from anxieties. Now, we could, we could just pause there for a minute because we could all use a little less anxiety, right? And so what's going to follow here is something that he's trying to invest in you. He, he wants to give you something. He, he's, he's saying what he's going to say for your betterment. So just know that's, that's coming. He says, The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Let the married man say, Amen, right? Okay, don't say amen. (laughs) Amen, babe. My wife's on the slides here to please you, my dear. You can deal with that, I guess. Verse 34, and his interests are divided, and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Let the married women say amen. Amen. Nice job, ladies. (laughs) Guys, we got some work to do. Verse 35, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So um, again, he's saying this not to make things difficult, not to take something from you that you might want, but just to show you that there's something going on here in your singleness. Now, what's interesting here as we listen to Paul, we might be a little judgmental and say, well, you know, who is he to speak about this, but uh, Paul is a guy that was actually probably previously married. Most scholars believe that he was married before uh, becoming a Christian, and we don't really know what happened to his previous wife, but as a member of the Sanhedrin, he probably had to be married, and uh, marriage is really something that was, that was idolized in Roman culture, and so um, he was probably married, and we don't know if she passed away for some reason. We don't know if maybe when he became a Christian, she left him. But in the end, we see Paul now in a season of his life where he is single. So Paul is speaking from both experiences, having been single, having been married, and what Paul seems to think is that singleness is a gift. That there's actually, now some of you are like, I didn't want this gift. I didn't ask for this gift. This is not a gift. And others of you are like, no, it's a great gift. I really enjoy this season of life that I'm in. But what we do know is that we've all dealt with disappointment in one area or another, and maybe you've dealt with disappointment when it comes to your relationship status. And what we know is that disappointment can turn a gift into grief. Whatever it is, God may be giving you a gift, but it may not be quite what you expected, quite what you wanted, and that gift can then become some sort of grief in your life. We struggle with this. Maybe you're struggling with your singleness. Maybe you're thinking, if God could hear my prayers, why Wouldn't he give me someone to be with for the rest of my life? We live in an Instagram world, right? Where maybe your pictures on Instagram are mostly you hiking, you at the coffee shop, right? You at work and all your friends are starting to get married and it's pictures of couples. And so you feel like, am I unwanted? What's the deal? Why aren't I moving on in this season uh, of life that I'm in? There is a struggle with that. But Paul seems to say this is a gift, Which means that God is saying there's a gift for you in your singleness. We believe marriage is a gift. We also believe singleness is a gift. Sam Alberry, in his book says, If we balk at the idea of singleness being a gift, it's not because God has not understood us, but because we have not understood him. There's something that we don't get about God if we don't see this as a gift. So I want real quick, just to kind of start having a conversation with you guys, and um, just to intro this, I want you to give us your relationship status. Give us your story. Like, let's get real here in church. Who wants to start? Go for it, Jamin.
2: I'll go. So... I mean, I'm single. I've been in a couple relationships, but, you know, never got engaged, not got, never got married. Um, singleness is, you're kind of talking about how some people really struggle with it, and that really was me for a long time um, for a couple reasons. Number one, I didn't want to be single. And number two was I, when I was younger, I really bought into kind of the ideas of the purity culture, which is, you know, well, some of the ideas, but it was kind of an implicit promise with it that... Mm-hmm. You stay on the straight and narrow, you do all the right. right stuff, and you're going to get a spouse out of it.
0: Yeah, don't have sex, get a great wife from God. That's, exactly. the, that's the promise, right? Yeah.
2: Exactly. So that's something that God's kind of been working with me lately is just saying, hey, um, you had this expectation of me, but it's not a promise from me. Oh, that's a great point. So this is something you need to do just, just because, not because you expect to get something out of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's good.
3: Well, I'm married uh, for nine years now, and I get to be a part of this conversation because, praise God, a lot of our students are single. Amen? Where are you at? Um, And so whether you're 15 or 30, this affects you, and it starts to shape your worldview, and you start to look at relationships as something to be sought after rather than Jesus. Um, And so I'm really, really excited about this today.
1: And again, I'm Mia, and I would describe myself as a sappy professional single. Um, Is that a thing? Yes. I'm a romantic, but I'm single. So, Um, I've been single most of my life junior high, high school, graduated, joined the armed services. I was single, Um, met a guy, dated, was engaged, unengaged, back to being single. Um, and then I met another guy, got um, engaged, met him. Um, I knew when I met him that he really wasn't the one. We were not compatible, but I ignored everything and so forth. Um, asked me to marry him. And I shouldn't have said yes. I tell people he asked me to marry him with a dozen red flags. And in my heart and my soul, I knew that this wasn't the right one. But that status, right? Like, I don't want to not be, you know, I, this is the time of my life I'm supposed to get married. Anyways, um, got married, was married for several years. Um, and even in that marriage, I very much felt single. And what I mean by that was I didn't have that connection. I didn't feel like I married my best friend. Um, I didn't have, um, just that, that unification that you would expect, especially being in a church to, to be with someone. So that ended in divorce, um, and then I went back to being single, and I will tell you that um, that was really when I can say that the healthy journey of my singleness began. Up until then, I was single and stagnant, if you will. Like, I didn't do anything. Like, I'm just single. It is what it is. Um, but after that divorce, I really felt God working on me and basically revealing there was a purpose for that pain. And so I got to go on a journey of loving myself and others. Um, and here I am, still single and happy, happily single. So,
0: no, That's good. No, I mean, you touched on a lot of important things. I just, real quick, because she brought up red flags. Um, the reason you might be sitting here this morning is just to hear me say this. If there are some red flags in your dating relationship, If somebody, let's say you're with someone and everybody that knows you and loves you is saying that he's bad for you or she's bad for you, you need to look at that. Because walking into a deeper relationship and making more bad decisions will not make it easier. It will make it harder. And so uh, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is break up with somebody. That's, that's absolutely the truth, is save yourselves um, that, that, that heartache. It really is true. And so um, I think we all probably have some stories like that where we're like, I wish I would have seen it, right? How could everybody around me have seen it? I just couldn't see it, but we found ourselves in those places. And so now you, you're in a certain relationship status. I'm married. I've been married for 17 years. And so I'm um, still, still married, hoping to make it 18 and, and just continue forward, right? Yes. Uh, by the grace of Jesus. But it has not always been easy. It's been difficult. There are difficulties no matter what you do. You need to hear that. Single, married, there are difficulties that you need to work through. So what I want to do for the next few moments is tease out uh, five different lies that maybe you have experienced or heard or even perpetuated in one way or another when it comes to singleness and the first is this that singles are second-rate Christians that you're not really a full-blown follower of Jesus a full-blown person who's obedient to God until you are married and I don't know like like where does this come from what is this about have you have you experienced this before
1: Um, For me, I would say that I think that singleness can also be a tool for the ministry. Um, There are opportunities and things that you can do when you're single, when you do things by yourself, but really, if you think about doing it with God... um, and walking through that journey. And for me, it was a beautiful journey. I was telling people one of my favorite Psalms, um, is Psalms 27. And it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should rise against me. My heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. And this will I be confident. And David goes on to have this praise and this process through this pain. And I think that as single in a church, that that's a time that we can grow closer to God because we've all been there as single people where we put it on ourselves or other people put it on us where a single doesn't feel good. Um, and so what do you do with that feel good? Are you just that miserable single person who doesn't have any friends and go out and complains? Or are you that single person who does something um, in the midst of that? And investing in yeah. the church, investing um, in the ministry um, is a healthy way.
0: That's good
3: a couple of weeks ago I had a student um, and, you know, the students talk about their relationship status all the time and I'm always trying to stay out of it. Like, I don't know what y'all doing. Um, and uh, he came up to me and we were talking and somehow his singleness got brought up. Um, and I was like, Oh, are you single? And he said, no, Brit, I'm always in a relationship with Jesus. And I was oh! like, Oh, um, but I love that that was his, Mindset, And when we look at the relationship of Jesus, he was always in a relationship with the Father. And ne- he never had a spouse, and we would never say that he was incomplete or didn't experience a full life. And so I Amen. loved his, his viewpoint on that.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know where it, it, this is perpetuated through a lot of different things, and maybe even um, on a theological level. As you read uh, the book of Genesis and the creation story, and the uh, just the, the 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 mandate to go and um, be fruitful and multiply, we see Adam and Eve, and they were of one flesh, and so all of that um, we see and start to kind of lay that on people and say, well, if you're if you're not that. Um, if you're not in this marriage relationship, then you're not really operating in obedience. And of course, yeah, Jesus lived a full life um, as a single man. A fully obedient life was certainly not second rate in any way. And so clearly there's a way to be a full-blown follower of Jesus. And even Paul might say um, even more uh, o- obedient to certain things in certain calls and have freedom to do certain things as a single person, um, even, even the married people sometimes. And so, um, certainly a lie that we see out there. The second lie is this, you're incomplete until you find the one. The one, right? I always think like the matrix, the one, what's the one? <laughs>
3: Uh, Well, and this ideology starts at such a young age. You look at, like, Beauty and the Beast and Frozen and High School Musical. If you're a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Never seen
0: it. Never seen it. (laughs) uh,
3: But culture is is saying that having a relationship with something is what you should strive after. Mm. And even when I was talking to our middle school girls a couple years ago, I said, do you guys think... There's a person for you. Do you think this is what life is all about? And they said, Brit, have you not seen the Hallmark Channel? Yes. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So they're growing up striving after relationships with people, which is not bad, but they don't realize that that will never satisfy their soul. Only Jesus can do that. Mm. And so they're searching for a soulmate. And the Bible says nothing about a soulmate, but it says everything about a Savior,
0: yeah, so good. Yeah, you know, marriage doesn't unlock the door to joy mm. any more than singleness does. Either way, um, Jesus Jesus is our gateway to joy in life. And, um, you know, this is huge. I, I think if you're married and you're starting to check out, listen, um, you cannot put this pressure on your spouse. So this gets really messed up. When you get married... If you get married and you're like, well, this person's supposed to be the one to complete me, to fulfill me as a human being. I still remember when um, Amanda and I were first married and we were just kind of struggling a little bit. And she'd been doing some soul searching. I'd been doing some soul searching and she got together with me one day and she was like, hey, Brian, I figured something out. And I was like, sweet. I'm glad you figured something out because it's all on you, right? The problems are all yours. And she goes, uh, yeah, I figured something out. You're not enough for me. And I was like, where's the good part? Because that sounds terrible. And she, she was just like, no, no, this is, this is actually a really good thing. That I realized that I had placed a pressure on you that, that, that you could never bear. That no other human being is capable of completing you. No other human being is capable of fulfilling you. And, and maybe you're married right now and your marriage is falling apart because you, you are asking that person to be your God." I mean, because that which completes you and fulfills you is what you worship. So you're at, so, and I even see this like when I all have the honor of performing uh, weddings occasionally, and sometimes uh, people will want to write their uh, their own custom vows. This is very very uh, common right now with young couples. want to oh, I want to write write my vows to my, my my best friend, and so they write these vows out. And sometimes I get almost uncomfortable. It's like, baby. You're everything to me. I don't breathe without you. I just dream of you day and night. And I'm like, this is, this is too much. Like, you should be saying this to God and not this other human being. I mean, you can love them, certainly, and be passionate in your marriage. But um, you're putting a pressure on them that they, they can't handle. They can't bear that load. And you will begin to hate and manipulate them to get them to be everything you want them to be. You literally can't love them well if you want them to be your God. So this is a really, really big deal in and in a common issue. And in fact, just one thing to know, too, in the pressure to date, um, this is a modern idea. I don't know if you know, just look historically, do a little research, but this idea of courting and dating really didn't come around until the 19th and 20th century. Uh, before that, it was all pretty much arranged marriages. Which we could kind of figure that out today, right? All you single people getting this side of the room, we're going to hook you up, right? Get you together. We don't do the arranged marriage thing anymore, which I've always thought was kind of weird until I had daughters, and now I'm like, arrange marriages. I could, uh, I could go for that, right? I picked the boy. This is who you're with. So Jesus is being asked at one point about this idea of marriage, and people are trying to figure out, like, you know, what does marriage look like in, in eternity? And here's what he says. He says, For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And so what we know is that Jesus calls himself the bridegroom, and the church is called the the bride, right? And so a lot of people have said there's, there's no marriage in heaven. And what Jesus is saying, it's not that there's no marriage, it's that there's one marriage between Christ and the church. And so there will be only one marriage in heaven. So the way we, we, we just kind of put this idea of being marriage, married on a pedestal and we worship this idea, but this is not an eternal thing. This, this covenant that we have with God, that is what's eternal. And, and I don't know exactly what it's going to look like in eternity, but um, it, it may not be as big of a thing as we've made it into, um, certainly. Any other thoughts on that? Just that idea? Yeah.
2: I mean, I would say I've kind of been on both ends of that. Of that lie, like kind of expecting somebody else to kind of be that thing that's going to fulfill me, but also on the other side, like having somebody with that expectation of me. And I mean, it's, I mean, I see it now definitely right. it's crushing like, it's kind of like it's crushing it's a kind of frantic insane kind of energy right. coming at you right when you start kind of digging deep a little deeper yeah, some of you some oh this, this person expects me to be you've so been much on a date like than that I can be yeah
0: <laughs> yeah some of you felt that where you're, you're like you sit down with that girl or that guy and you're like oh no Oh, no, this ain't going to work out. You're, you're hitting the eject button before you even get, you know, the meal ordered. So
3: Well, yeah. and even when a relationship is really good, spoiler alert, you are talking to a human, which is a sinner, which is a broken person who at some point is going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. And so walking into these relationships with the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, but recognizing this is a, this is another human, another messed up person like me.
0: Yeah, so you're saying we need a God that won't let us down.
3: We need a God that what?
0: That won't let us down. Amen. Amen.
3: And that's who we have.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. Lie number three, let's talk about the next one. Uh, Singleness means something is wrong. Something is wrong. Sam Alberry also says this in his book. He says, again, many of our default settings see singleness in terms of deficiency. It is the absence of a good thing, being marriage. In the romantic and sexual fulfillment marriage seems to represent, single people are unmarried while we would never think of married people as unsingle. I thought it was really interesting. I'm never like, hey, these are all my unsingle friends over here. Uh, but we tend to think of marriage in positive terms and singleness in negative terms. And so we might not even realize it, but once again, we are kind of perpetuating this belief or this lie that singleness means that there is something wrong. Have you guys ever felt like that as a single person, like there's something wrong with you?
1: Um, Yes, I felt that way. Being divorced, I felt that I was damaged and I was lacking something, but it wasn't enough. Um, You know, all the process that we go through and the lies and the lizards in our heads, right, and so forth... Um, but obviously that wasn't the case um, and so forth. But I think that we can get caught up in that um, sometime, those untruths and so forth. Um, but at the end of the day, right, we we're all um, child of the king, right? Um, he is our father. And just to have that mentality of he saves and he protects and mm. he wouldn't want that for us. He wouldn't want us to feel that way or think that way, that there is nothing wrong with you. We all have our, our times of singleness but it doesn't mean that something is wrong. It could be an opportunity for growth.
0: Yeah. Well, I think maybe even we have communicated that as married people in certain ways through the things that we say. I mean, any, what are, I want to just take a second. What are dumb things married people say? We married people say dumb things sometimes.
2: No, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a statement, but it's more of an awkward silence as soon as you tell someone that you're single and they just don't know what to do with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Like,
1: they're like, oh, oh. okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah awkward sounds. Thinking uh, we're too picky, right? Um, feeling sorry for us. Um, trying to find someone for us, right? Instantly, like, being single isn't enough when yeah, people find friend. out that you're single. Like, oh, I got somebody. As long as my friend is single, they're probably yes, for you. Yes, yes, yeah. and then you go through that process, then it's this <laughs> awkwardness and so forth, and they're just trying to do this and that. And I was telling um, Britt, like, when you're, when you're there and you're single, and I wouldn't go to you, and be like so how 's your love life is it how 's that going and so forth for you and getting people 's business and i wouldn 't try to like set her up um with someone just because they were single, right? Like, oh, I've got someone for you. So this perfect couple, they're amazing. They don't have a job, but, but you'll love them. You have sure. a job, right? right? And and so forth. Oh, and they're so much fun. Their kids are a little bit of a hot mess, but you have kids, so you'll get along just fine and so forth Sending and whatnot. And all because you're married, so you guys will get along and so forth. So I think that yeah. sometimes we get entrapped in that that piece that's single.
0: Yeah, you guys are free childcare, right? Yes, so we, right. Need, we need somebody to watch our kids, so call the single person, right? Then come over and watch the kids. Or
3: the, and I've said this, y'all, God's got someone for you. Um, I, I was so convicted just in this conversation with them. And that just also creates such a skewed perspective of God to say, God has someone for you. Um, and the world will say, like, the soulmate term, the one And for God to create the one Mm. and not tell you who it is, give you no indication of who this person may be, and you have to figure it out on your own, and if you get it wrong, that's on you, like, that's terrible. What kind of God would do that? Um, But so many times I'm married, and I'll perpetuate this lie and be like, God's got this, or God's got someone for you, and that may not be the case, so just recognizing that and being mindful of our words. Well,
0: that that idea of the one, we didn't even talk about that, but it's just like it it doesn't make sense, right? Because if you marry the wrong one, then, like the whole universe is out of whack, right because then the next person where it marries the wrong one, and then you married their one, and so then they got to marry the wrong one, and so pretty much it just messes everything up it can't it can't work out that, that everybody has to marry that one person it's funny it's like the only way the only place all Christians turn into Calvinists is when it comes to finding that one person, and you need to know this that like if you're married, she's the one hey, right if you're married, he's the one like you don't get to. You're married for 10 years, and I'm like, ah, I married the wrong one. Nope, you're married. She's the one. He's the one. That's, that's how that works. But we use this myth of the one as a, as a way to hit the eject button. Like, oh, I just married the wrong one, right? But now God wants to work within your marriage. And so, yeah, we say dumb things all the time. I'm sorry. How are you? How are you still single? How could that be? I actually asked my Instagram friends, like, hey, what stupid things do married people say? Um, I got some interesting responses. One of my friends, uh, she said, people are always talking about my biological clock like I'm a ticking time bomb of failure. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You got to get yourself some kids, girl. She says, uh, hello, what about Sarai and things like adoption, right? So, like... There are a lot of ways to continue forward and to even fulfill whatever God may call you to do in life. And you don't need to fear those things. And, and why isn't single, why isn't being single enough? Why isn't it enough? And, and because for some people it, it is enough. And in this season of life, it, it, it is enough. And so we, we have to be careful about what we say. Line number four is this: this is this goes deep. You can't have intimacy if you're single. Is that true? That you can't be intimate. Now, I guess it kind of comes down to how do you define intimacy? What does that mean?
2: I mean, to me, intimacy has just always meant somebody knowing you and you knowing somebody completely. So I think, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of times just sex and intimacy just becoming like almost synonymous with each other. And they're really just two completely separate things. You can be having... Sex with somebody and not have any intimacy whatsoever, and I mean the reverse is hundred percent true as well.
3: Well, in a culture right now, especially with our teenagers, there's this lie out there that if someone of the same sex makes you feel good, then you must be same sex attracted. And same-sex attraction is defined by sexual attraction. And so you can have a girl best friend who makes you feel good, who you enjoy being around. And at 13, you're just trying to be okay with yourself. And, um, and so when a teenager says, man, girls just really make me feel good, I say, me too. Let's yeah. talk about this. This is a gift from God to have a sister um, that you relate to. And it doesn't always mean that you're sexually attracted to them. And so just parents in the room stepping into those conversations and saying, like, tell me more about this intimate relationship, because there is intimate relationships that have no sexual undertone in them at all, and it's a gift. You look at David and Jonathan, and the Bible says that he loved him as himself. What a beautiful picture.
1: Yeah.
0: No, I think, I think this has gotten weird culturally, and it doesn't need to be. And, uh, you know, I've got friends that are guys that, that I would do anything for and that would do anything for me, and, and that, that know me, and I know them at a deep level, and, and, uh, and I need that. I need other friends, people that, I would say it's an intimacy, and I say things to my guy friends. I'll say, I love you to my guy friends, and you'll notice if you're around ACF too long, and this may make some of you uncomfortable, but I'm like, I'm a hugger, and so we got, we got this hugging culture amongst the guys at ACF, and so you'll see a lot of bro hugs happening at ACF, and it's just something that, that we do, and it's, it's affection, and really, when someone knows you, I love that definition, and you know them, that is, that is intimacy, that it's not simply about sex. This is such a big deal. We've idolized sex and made that into the only form of intimacy, and when, I just remember when I was single, I kind of thought this idea that, that uh, sex led to intimacy, and then I got married, and I realized that intimacy is what leads to sex. Married people, you get it? Right? If you got that backwards, you like, I don't get it. That's why you got some problems. <laughs> you're like, if we just had more sex, we'd be close. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Right? It's the connection. It's the, it's the relationship. It's the knowing one another. And then that leads to the physical stuff at some point. But it's not what defines intimacy. And what we know, too, is that as a single person, there is a, there's, a, there's a decision that's being made. For some, it's hard. For some, it's not. But it's a decision to be celibate. So, so the biblical standard, and I think God's standard as a single person, is, is choosing celibacy until marriage. But here's the, the struggle with that, is, is does that mean I don't get intimacy? And I love um, what Sam Albury says. He says, the choice between marriage and celibacy is not the choice between intimacy and loneliness. Or at least it shouldn't be. Then he says, we can manage without sex. True or false? True. You're all doing it right now. Well done. <laughs> doing great. You're going to be just fine. Never had anybody bust into my office. Brian, I'm going to die. Why? I can't have sex. No, you're not. You're not going to die. You're going to be just fine. We know this. He says, we know this. Jesus himself lived as a celibate man. So did Paul. Many, many others have done so as well. But we are not designed, listen to this, to live without intimacy. You weren't designed to live without being known and to know others. Marriage is not the sole answer to the observation. It is not good that the man should be... Alone. So this is really a, a big deal that we understand this and that we, we understand that there are, there are boundaries on both sides sexually. That whether you're married or you're single, there are sexual boundaries, right? There are things that you can't do sexually when you're married. There are things that you can't do sexually when you're single. This is really important that we understand that or that you, you shouldn't do, right? Some of you have and you've felt the damage from those things before. In this world that we live in, this hit me this week. There's this idea that like we have this God who desires a relationship with us. And when we become a Christian, the Bible talks about it like a marriage. It's like we become one, almost like the way you become, you know, married to a wife or a husband. It's this oneness. And that happens after there's this commitment that's made to be in a relationship with God. And I love this idea that Jesus went to the cross, he died. He died first. And he showed us and showed the world, hey, I would do anything for you. He sacrificed first, which led to a committed relationship, right? He sacrificed first. that led to this invitation to be in a relationship with Jesus that results in the oneness. You see, the world's got it flipped upside down. We want the oneness, the one flesh, the sexual pleasure, all of those things before the commitment. We hope that maybe we'll die for that person later. We don't want to die for him first. Does that make sense? But the marriages that last are the marriages where I'm going to sacrifice for you first. I'm going to be willing to uh, withhold some things that I might want while I'm dating so that I can, I can practice for marriage. Because, uh, I mean, uh, people think this, that, like, and I know I'm a killjoy to all the single people when I talk about this stuff, but that, that when, you're, when you're having sex, when you're dating, you're practicing for marriage. But I actually believe that you're practicing for divorce, that you're preparing yourself for, if you can't, if you can't sacrifice for that person when you're dating what mean, means, makes to say you're going to sacrifice for them when you're, when you're married. And so understand that, that God's way and through this text is really intended to help you. It's not trying to take something from you or restrict you in any way. In fact, one commentary that I read this week says, single Christians who abstain from sex outside the marriage bond bear witness to the faithful nature of God's love with the same authority as those who have sex inside the marriage bond. Listen to this. Denying yourself can be just as potent a picture of a thing's goodness as helping yourself to it. So, this is so key that we understand this that God is not trying to take something from us, He's trying to give something to us. Last lie we're kind of running out of time, but is this um, singleness means no family.
1: Is that true? Definitely not. Um, and when I think of um, singleness and family, I think of relationships. And I think of the relationships in the church and so forth as me being a single mom of two beautiful girls, but I also think of the people in the church who helped me um, in that. And so I would just challenge everyone that when you think about um, family and so forth in a church as a single person, um, going back to what we just spoke about, that intimacy part, that when you can have connection with someone who makes you feel chosen and noticed and valued and can forgive you, and you have these relationships in church where you can go and seek godly counsel from people who are in a church and have that bond with someone who is equally yoked in you um, within a church. It is so important for both if you're married and if you're single, but especially when you're single, to have that someone who will pray with you, who will know you, who can walk with you and can can just recognize that there is a, a different need that's there is so important. So absolutely, um, family in a church is just so important.
3: Yeah. Well, and you look at god's family and blood is not what connects us it is our father and so when you guys look Amen. around we have brothers and sisters in this room with no lineage familial connection but we are family because of god
0: so good yeah um i love proverbs eighteen twenty four 24 it says a man of many companions may come to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother and Jesus talks about this, right? He's like, who are my, who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? It's, it's these people around me. that These are my brothers and sisters. This is my family. And uh, if you've never experienced that with the church, you can experience that here. There are people that, that want to be in life with you, that want to love you where you're at, that you can love them where they're at. And, and this is really when the church comes alive. It's not when we show up here to church and you just bail out the back doors because, you know, that, that lawn chair is waiting for you. Like... Build a relationship. Connect with someone. And I think even one of the things that gets weird is like we as married people feel like it's weird to invite single people over sometimes. I don't know. Does that seem weird, Jamin, to you? no okay
2: there we go <laughs> Jamie doesn't think it's
0: weird especially if there's food involved I'm sure we'll invite you over feed you a meal but I think that's one of the things is, is, is single people struggle with um, this view of, of marriage and maybe even putting it on a pedestal for, for it being something that it's not because married people have not invited single people into their lives like you gotta come over to my house man and I assure you there are moments where you'll walk away going I'm sure glad I'm single right it's just gonna happen <laughs> Because we are like every other house, right, where the kids are crazy sometimes, and we're struggling as a couple sometimes. It's just real life. And so I think we've perpetuated this by not inviting each other in and building those real relationships. We're out of time, but would you thank these, these guys for coming up? <laughs> One of the things I do know is that a lot of, a lot of emotions are tied up with this. Um, With this feeling that we're praying for things and asking God for things and and maybe God's not answering. And there can be this feeling that like, does God care? Does he see me? Does my situation matter? Am I wanted? And so the band's going to share a song that might draw out some of those emotions for you today.
4: said you got a new friend does she love you better than I can it's a big black sky over my town Gotta see it for myself Still little and broken bottles That I'm in the corner Watching you kiss her Oh no I'm right over here
0: those lyrics put on the screen? Have you ever felt like this? Not just relationally, but with God himself. So I don't know where you've been at with this whole relationship status thing, but what I do know is that everyone in the room at some point has looked at God and said, why can't you see me? Why don't you care what I want? Or can you just not hear my prayers? We have all felt that at some point or another. We have this God that wants a relationship with us. And I love what Britt said, and and I I know it sounds trite to some of you who are just really longing for that, that someone in your life. This idea that Jesus really is enough. And whether you're married or single, you have to believe that. You have to believe that for it to work. And see, we've got this God that he would do anything to be with us. I mean, he is the perfect one, the perfect. I mean, the Bible talks about this like, 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 like a lover, this type of a relationship, this intimacy that we have with God. He came to this earth and he died on a cross knowing everything that you have done and everything you will do. And he did it because he wants a relationship with you. Guys, see, the cross is God's way of saying, I see you. I know your prayers. I know your needs. I see you for everything that you are, and I still love you. Isn't that the kind of relationship you want? And that's the relationship that we can have with God. And so I don't know what disappointment you walked in here with. We said earlier that disappointment can turn your gift into a grief. Grief. But the gospel, the good news, can turn your grief into a gift. God's given you some gifts right now. I don't know what it is. It might be your singleness. It might be your marriage. It might even be something that is very, very difficult right now. But God wants to give you a gift. He wants to do something powerful in your life through the thing that you're right in the middle of. He wants to change you for the better if you're willing to let him. So maybe for you today, the first step is just to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Just to say, God, here I am. I believe you see me and I believe you still love me. Would you stand up? I'd love to pray for us as we close out today. God, thank you so much for our church and for the season that we find ourselves in. God, we thank you, God, that uh, that you love us so much. And God, while we don't always feel that, pray today we could declare that to be true. God, could we leave these doors today living like those who are fully known and fully loved by the God of the universe? We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.